0: Tonight, uh, I want to to deal with an area that isn't just uh, pertaining to homosexuality, but that involves all sin, and that is with temptation. So before we get into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we we come to your word tonight because we know that your word is truth. And God, as we're saying in this series, we want to align our lives with your truth. We're not just here to, to hear something nice, something that That sounds great, but God, we're here to align ourselves with your will so that we can prosper, because in your word is life. And so, God, we pray that you would soften our hearts, make us receptive and open. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So so when it comes to temptation you know one of like i think the biggest misunderstandings is that when you get saved just because you're saved doesn't mean you're never going to face temptation again right temptation is always going to be a thing that people have to deal with but but at the same point in time you, you know you have the realm of christianity that that thinks that okay, we're just always going to have to be in a state of struggling. That, okay, once we get saved, that there's a realm of Christianity that thinks, you know what, th- I- I'm always going to have to deal with this. This is always going to be something that I struggle through and suffer with. That's kind of like uh, the standard AA meetings. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, right? Um, and it's, it's, it puts, puts Christians in this mindset that they're, that they're living on defense Instead of offense, you can kind of think of it like dodgeball, like you're you're in a dodgeball match between you and Satan, except Satan has all the dodgeballs and you're just over here trying to live your nice little Christian life, just dodging everything that he's throwing at you. Right. And when you think like that, it's only going to be so long before he hits you. Only going to be so long before you eventually get taken out. But when you, when you take time to understand what the Bible has to say about your position in God, when, the Bible, when you take time to understand what the Bible has to say about your authority and righteousness, which is what we're going to be talking about this evening you understand, OK, I'm not on defense. I'm not just trying to avoid temptations the rest of my life. Yes, there might be temptations that come, but I have an authority and a power in Jesus Christ to actually destroy the work of the devil in my life. That you can live in a place where, OK, yeah, you might be tempted, but those things aren't plugging you anymore. And that's especially important for those in the LGBT community because, they, you know, and we can wrestle with the idea of whether or not you're born gay we've talked about the, the importance of understanding. It doesn't really matter because the Bible says you have to be born again anyways. But then especially that with that sin and how Satan attacks it from an identity point of view, people, people will have the tendency to think that this is going to be something they always have to struggle with. No, it doesn't. No sin you ever have to struggle with. You can be set free and you can live as an overcomer in life. And so what I want to spend time tonight is going through three Three points they just you know i 'm not like an acronym type of person, but if you 're acronyms, they all just so happen to start with the letter C, so if you want like some nice little message, three c 's for living in victory over sin, you can like call it that if you want, uh, but so I have three points tonight uh, on on living in victory over sin, on living in victory over temptation on 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 not just being on defense but on being being on offense and so the first point tonight is consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin. So let's look at Romans chapter 6 verse 1. We'll read read a few verses here tonight. It says, "Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace?" Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus, with Christ Jesus and baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Right, that's talking about water baptism. Right, it's a people say it's a symbol, but it's it's actually there's power to it. It's not just like this symbolic act. There's a power to it. There's a, a dying to yourself in a, in a participation of of Christ Christ's death on the cross. For, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we also may live new lives, right? We say that as center branch. We're connecting people to the newness of life found only in Jesus Christ. Everybody say new life. New life. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. It's not meant to have power over us, it's meant to lose its power over our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Right. I'm born this way. This is just these are my tendencies that I have. These are just my things. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not a slave to sin. That doesn't control me. It doesn't have power over me.
1: <clears throat>
0: Somebody say Amen. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. I think I skipped something. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So the first point is just that. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider. That means think of yourself in this way. Consider yourself. Make it, make it be true to you. Consider yourself. Think in these terms. I'm dead to sin. So what does it mean to be dead to sin? What does it mean to be dead to something? So you, you may have been in a relationship That ended poorly Uh, a dating relationship, which, right, we we preach that you should wait until you're like 18 or older before you uh, before you start dating. But, okay, you might have been in in a dating relationship that ended poorly. Ladies, the dude was just this immature little scumbag. Right. And and so you probably said something along the lines of you're dead to me. Right? Like you're, you're dead to me. All right. You may, maybe you said that to your little siblings. You're dead to me. Right? What are you saying? You're saying that, like, you don't affect me anymore. You, right? Like you don't have any power over me. You don't control me anymore. You're dead to me. And so this is the same line of thinking that we're to think in terms of sin. I, I, I'm dead to the power of sin, I, I'm a dead body. When it comes to sin, there might be a little bit of a gruesome way of thinking about it, uh, but you're you're dead when it comes to sin. You're a dead body. It can poke you. It can kick you. It can roll you out of the casket. It can throw you in the water, but you're dead. You know, it doesn't affect you. Come on, it it, it can't, can't, I don't don't feel it, I don't notice it, I don't think about it, I'm dead. And so this is how we have to think of ourselves when it comes to sin. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Why? Why is this so important? Because how you think about yourself is how you are, right? That's what the Bible says. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how we go about thinking about ourselves is gonna be the, the type of life that we live, the type of actions that we have. Because if you go around thinking, well, you know what? This is just this is just a thing that I struggle with. This is just, you know, I'm just a human. You know, we're all sinners saved by grace. Uh, We live in a fallen world, you know, stuff like that. that. Okay, what you're doing is you're giving allowance for sin to have power in your life. You're giving allowance. So, of course, whenever the temptation comes, it's just going to suit this subconscious, if you will, the subconscious ideology or belief that you have that, well, you know what? I knew that I was going to be tempted and have to give into this one day or another. Eventually, I'm going to give in. No, it's not eventually. It's, it's I'm dead to the power of sin. I, I, I'm free. Paul, he said this. He says, it's no longer I who lives, but it's but it's Jesus who lives on the inside of me. The old the old Josiah. Right. The old autumn, the old Andrew, they're dead right now is Jesus living on the inside of me, which means that his power is active and living on the inside of me. Did Jesus sin? Are we confused? Did Jesus sin? No, he never sinned at all, right? That's what the Bible says. And so the, the power of the one who never sinned lives on the inside of you. So how dare we think that, oh man, I'm just, I'm just prone to be this sinful type. No, Jesus is on the inside of me. Say that about yourself. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives on the inside of me. We're to consider ourselves dead to sin. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I don't sin. I will never sin. I'm set free by the power of God. Temptation can come and it's not gonna affect me. Come on, say it. Say temptation may come, but it's not going to affect me. We're dead to sin. Point number one, consider yourself dead to sin. Number two is control your imagination. Control your imagination. Genesis chapter six, verse five. I'm going to read it in just a second. But what's what's happened at this point in time in the Bible is God is getting ready to 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 destroy the entire world by a flood. If you're familiar with the story of Noah and the ark, mankind is excessively wicked and God is going to just wipe everybody out and start fresh with Noah and his family. And so God has said this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 about, these, this, about humanity at this point in time that is excessively wicked. He says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness the extent of human wickedness of the earth. And he saw that everything they thought and imagined was consistently and totally evil. Everything they thought and imagined was consistently and totally evil. So you have this, this reality that there was humanity at this point in time that was only doing evil things. They the, killing people, right? I mean, just the, the worst sins you could possibly imagine. Just every, you know, going wild in terms of sin. But it wasn't just that they just so happened to be sinful and they just got unlucky. And, you know, no, it was it was that everything they thought and imagined was sinful. Therefore, what played out in their life was sinfulness. Right. Our imagination is powerful. Right. Our, our thought life is one thing what we're thinking about. But if we want to get really specific, it's, it's really your imagination. It's the things that you're playing out and thinking about and, and envisioning in your life. Because imagination is really just vision. Imagination is, is really just vision. And you, you move toward what you see. And so when you're imagining things and playing out scenarios in your mind and in your life, well, those are going to be the things that you naturally drift toward, and that was exactly the case with Jeffrey Dahmer. If you guys watch anything about him, does everybody know who Jeffrey Dahmer is? No? Okay, so he was this dude that, like, how about this? How many people have no idea who Jeffrey Dahmer is? Okay, just a few people. Okay, so, um, you know, he was this dude that, that, like, went on a rampage killing people, but in his kind of, like... Confession. He was saying that what it started out as was pornography, gay pornography, and then he would end up having, he would end up entertaining thoughts in, in imagining, uh, what what if he just you know like picked up a hitchhiker and like had sex with them, and then like his, he would just let his imagination just keep on going further. Like okay, what what if he what if he did that? But okay, so he would get caught and he'd get in trouble. Like, he could just kill him. Okay, how would he kill him? Okay. I could like, only in the middle of nowhere. right? And it's like, he's like, what are, he's using his imagination, right? Your imagination is powerful. And so we want to control our imagination. Now, this is, not just, this is just not in the sense, okay, we don't want to think bad thoughts. We don't want to imagine bad thoughts. It's actually the complete inverse. You can use your imagination to actually pull you closer to the Lord. You can use it just like vision does. You can envision yourself, you know, I, I'm not gay. I'm not the type of person that's gay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna imagine myself being with a woman if you're a man. I'm gonna imagine myself being with a man if you're a woman. I don't know which one I said a minute ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna imagine myself instead in the arms of God. I'm gonna imagine heaven. I'm gonna imagine God standing before the throne of God and Him placing His hands on my shoulders and saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. I, because, you know, we seem to think that that's silly right to for whatever reason to like imagine good things to imagine standing in God's power i was talking with someone just a little bit ago and they were talking about how they were actually imagining witnessing to people at their work and that that helped them actually stir up the courage to actually then do it. You can, instead of just, I'm not going to think bad thoughts, you can put your imagination to work to actually propel you in, into spiritual greatness, to actually be the type of person that God wants you to see. There's a reason that God wants you to be. There's a reason why God has given us an imagination, yeah. Right. It's it's not it's not just so that we can be creative in school. It's not just so, so that we can have have fun daydreaming. No, he's given us an imagination to help us connect with him and to draw closer to him. So so number two is control your imagination. Use it, use it to, to pull you closer to the Lord. Number three. Is, so number one, consider yourself dead to sin. Number two, control your imagination. And number three, chop off wicked members. Look with me at Matthew chapter 18. This is Jesus talking. We'll start reading in verse eight. So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better. I like how he added like the throw it away part. He's like, make sure you put it in the trash can, okay? Like nobody wants to see a foot hanging around. Okay, lying around. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire. He's talking about hell. of Both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. So basically he's saying, Jesus is saying that there's some things you've got to cut out of your life. Right. I, th- I think too often we attribute the temptations and, and, and the sin that we face with like Satan when it's really just ourselves. It's, it's really, and actually the Bible talks about that in James, not to say God is tempting me, not to say Satan is tempting, tempting me, but that we're carried away by our own desires. And so it's, it's actually not I'm playing dodgeball and Satan's throwing at me. It's actually I'm playing dodgeball with myself. We get to choose the environment that we have. We get to choose the environment that we live in. And some things we've got to cut off. Now, I think Jesus is being serious. It really is better. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. Don't go to hell. Do the hard thing, right? Do the hard, cut it off. But before you cut your hand off, okay? if any parents are listening, right? Before you cut your hand off, just stomp on your phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, delete the apps. Okay. listen, I had um, Snapchat for all of like 10 seconds. I downloaded it, like signed in my name, and I'm like, nope, gone, done. Because all all that's on it is garbage. Right, it was like Teen Vogue. How to how to make your orgasms better using candlelight ceremonies, witchcraft, whatever, whatever. Right, it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna think about that. I'm not gonna think about those things. Like, gentlemen, you say, like, oh, I'm struggling with I'm struggling with sex and you know porn so much. Unfollow the accounts on Instagram, right? Unfollow them. Unfollow the girls that are standing in bikinis and posting like. I'm just, you know, the whole washing the dishes analogy. You guys remember that? I'm just washing the dishes and their butt. No, okay, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it again. Okay, so it's like, if you weren't here, it's I like pretended like I I was this girl washing dishes and I was posing with my butt out and then that picture ended up online. But it's like, unfollow them, unfollow them, right? Cut, cut, it, cut it off. So listen, listen, there, there may be, you, do the hard thing. Give your parents your phone at night. Get, like, oh, well, then they're going to know. Let them know. Let them know. That, you know how much respect your parents would have for you if you were like, listen, I struggle with porn and I don't want to. I want you to have my phone at night. They'd be like, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not struggling with porn anymore. Come on. Right. I'm getting free. Come on, somebody. Right. And and so it's 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 I've got things in my life that I might have to cut off. You know, relationships, dating relationships, friendships, right? They're they're toxic people. You just got to cut them out. Just cut them out. Right. The series is really about homosexuality. If there's things that that are influence you in that realm of your life. Cut it. Cut it out. Stop following those pages. Stop listening to that music. Stop following those celebrities talking about it. Right. You you have the opportunity and the ability to control your environment. And so control it. Control it. Don't let it control you. Control it. And, And if it's your own hands, do the hard thing and cut it off. Do the hard thing and cut it off. Now, there's there's one overarching theme or a connecting point for all, all three of these points. Right? So so number one was was consider yourself dead to sin. Number two is control your imagination. And number three, chop off wicked members. There's one point that connects all of these and it's having spiritual tenacity. Now I want to I want to play this video for you. It's, it's a little long, so I apologize. You know, we, we, I never really play videos this long, um, but, but it goes by really fast. But I want to play this video for you. And it's it's about a woman who who I, I know I've met. She she's a pastor at the river uh, down in Tampa, Florida. She was a, a lesbian and then had gotten set in, set free. And so this is her testimony. Of, of God setting her free from this, but you can, you can sense the element of spiritual tenacity in what she says. And, and, and being someone who's free, that's not gonna struggle with temptation, not gonna struggle with this sort of lifestyle, but that's gonna be free. So we're gonna play the video. It's, just, it's a little long, so bear with me. But then after that, we're gonna, we're gonna spend some time praying. So we're gonna cue the video and then, um, then we'll be back to pray for a few minutes.
1: See when I was a kid I grew up I was one of those people who thought I was a boy living in a girl's body. I thought that somewhere in the mix of God making me that he had made a mistake, and that somehow I had to live with this curse of me having to be a girl. My mom would dress me up at church, dress me up on Sundays in a pretty dress, and a, and, and curl my hair, and I would stand in front of the mirror, and I would just cry, because I hated it so much. I hated it so much. I would pray at night. I would pray, and I would say, God, please make me a boy. Please make me a boy. Please make me a boy. Like, I literally thought this was possible, and you know, i in, in school, I thought I, would, I was mad because I, I thought I made a better boy than most of the boys out there. I mean, I was the starting forward. <laughs> I was the starting forward on the boys' soccer team. I was one of the first ones picked at recess for all the games. And you know what? I could I could outboy any boy. <laughs> I might not look like it now. I, I couldn't now. But, um, you know, and, and, um, so, and, and, and I liked girls, too. From a very young age, I liked girls, and, 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 and I actually hated it because it, I went through major heartbreaks because I would have feelings for people that didn't make any sense. That no, I had feelings for people that would go nowhere. It's not even something you could act on. It was something that didn't make sense, that you were an outcast. And I had these feelings that you would just get broken hearts because there's no one that's ever going to feel the same way about you that you feel about them. You know, I grew up in church. I grew up, I have... Many people in my family that's in the ministry, my, my father helped found a Christian school. I grew up in church, but you know what? I, 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 no one taught me about God. All I knew was religion. My mom taught me the word, but I didn't know anything about the power of God. I didn't know, you know, Pastor Rodney's taught us in Bible school, you know, that religion puts burdens on people that they won't even lift one finger to help them bear. And people in religion, they grow up in religion and there's, there's no answers. They grow up in religion, and there's something wrong with you. There's, there's something wrong with you, but there's no one that can help you. And, the, and, and you know, growing up in religion with this problem, you think, you almost in like there's this God that's supposed to love me unconditionally. He's really this great guy. He's supposed to love me, but he really doesn't love who I think I am. He loves who religion says I should be. Right? But I don't even know how to be that person. So, like, you're just lost in the middle. I grew up hating the life I grew up I tried to commit suicide many times by the time I was in sixth grade I I drank bleach I ate rat poison I just anything that I could do to get out of this world I would eat the little things in the shoe boxes that say do not eat and you know um, by the time I was a teenager I got into drugs and finally long story short God touched my life when I was 16 at a summer youth camp praise God for youth camp and he, <laughs> I don't know what the guy preached but all I know is I cried out and I said God just do something God, just do something. I was so hungry for him to just do something, and he touched my heart, and he filled me up with love, this love, and he put a smile on my face, and and for the first time in my whole entire life, I'd ever felt loved. And you know what? That feeling was so awesome, but it only lasted like a week. I didn't know what I did to make God do that to me. I didn't know what I did. And so for about a week later, you know, the feeling died. It was all a feeling. I didn't know anything about God. And I I didn't know that God could set me free from all my problems. I didn't know that the anointing destroys the yoke. And so about a week later, I just went right back. I was in a relationship with with a woman at this time. And it was actually someone who I very much liked, someone that I would have married. And, you know, so I went right back into that lifestyle Because I didn't know, I'm not, I grew up with hypocrites, and I'm not going to be someone who says, okay, great, you know, I'm going to serve you, God, I love you, God, but still have all these problems, and so I didn't, I'm going to, I'm going to have to choose one or the other, I can't play both, and so I just went right back into the lifestyle, and so for four four more years, I ran from God, but I loved him the whole entire time, I loved him so much for that one touch, I loved him, And in my heart, I wanted him, but I didn't know that I could have him. I didn't know that it could be okay. I didn't know that he could set me free. So I ran for four years, and every time I'd be in the middle of sin, I'd be in the middle of sin, and I'd feel the love of God. I'd feel his love, and all I could say was, God, I'm so sorry, because I didn't know I could give my life to him, because I wasn't going to give my life to him and have these problems. And so finally, four years later, I got tired of that, and I was in my kitchen, and I I was ready to, I had a knife and I wanted to cut my, myself and kill myself again. And, but I looked down at the knife. I looked at it and I said, never again, never again. Because I knew God was better. I knew he was everything I ever searched for and everything I needed. I put down the knife and I said, never again, never again am I going to want to die. And I told, I told that to suicide. I Never again am I not going to want to die. Am I going to want to die? Because that's all I thought my whole entire life. I'm talking from second grade. I wanted to leave this Earth. All I thought about was death. Anyways, I got I gave my life to God, and I went to this church where I met Brock. Like he said, we were engaged within two months. I mean, you know what? I broke it off because I still had this problem. I didn't have what it took to make this relationship work. I thought his mom was more attractive than him. I know that sucks, but it's true. (laughs) I'm telling you, when I was a little girl, I didn't grow up and want to marry Prince Charming. When I was a little girl and I saw the stories like Cinderella, and I saw that prince fighting that dragon, and he got out the sword and he killed him, I wanted to do that. I wanted to fight the dragon. I wanted to marry the princess. I didn't want to marry the prince. I didn't want a boy. I didn't want a prince to come rescue me. I wanted to rescue people. When I was a little girl and we would write papers in school, what we want to be when we grow up, I would write papers of how I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be a soldier and I wanted to rescue people and save people's lives. Not that I wanted to grow up and be a mom and a wife. So anyways... I broke off our engagement, and we went to our, our pastor for counseling to help us. And he, I don't remember what he said, but afterwards he pulled Brock aside and he actually told him, he said, Brock, he said, you might want to leave this girl alone. He said, because don't, people don't usually come out of this. And he told him to leave me alone. And praise God he didn't, because he'd heard from God that this is your wife. So anyways, two years later, we, one year later, we went to Bible school, and I came to Bible school and I learned... I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I have many uncles. I have uncles that are Southern Baptist preachers. My brother's a chaplain in the Navy. My dad was a principal and a founder of a Christian school. I grew up in church. But I came to Bible school, and that's where I learned that that Jesus came, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I had to go to Bible school to learn this. I had to get a degree to learn that the devil is bad, Jesus is good. But anyways, um, and I learned that in Bible school and all they talked about in Bible school was hunger and and, and hunger and hunger and hunger and hunger and more hunger. And all they ever talked about was hungry. So much to where, I mean, and even when you thought you were hungry, they'd say, you're not hungry enough, you need to get more hungry. And it's just hunger, hunger, hunger. And, I was, and we, they taught us, they said, if there's anything you need from God, all you have to do is get hungry and go get it. Anyways, two years later, I married Brock. Out of faith, I told God, I said, God, I'm gonna marry him, fine. I tried to push him away, he wouldn't go away. I said, okay, God, I'll marry him. I said, <laughs> I said but I'll marry him out of faith. marrying him out of faith, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know, but all I know is he's my best friend and and it'll be okay. I knew it was gonna be okay. And so I married him and for three years, for three years, three years, it was a very hard relationship because I did not want to be intimate with him. I'm telling you, I hated being intimate with him. I hated it and I don't know why anyone would even stick around with someone like that. I hated it. I'd be mad for like weeks. I didn't even want him to put his hand on my leg. And so three years after, I just like this light bulb went off, after going to Bible school and learning that God wants good things for us, that everything that is awesome comes from Jesus, and all these bad things, anything that's bad and hurts and makes you suffer, that's the devil. And, and it's so that it's, it's not obviously God's will for your life. So, and if it's not his will, it does not have to be there. And so I don't have to put up with it. I don't have to live with it. I do not have to put up with it. I do not just have to say well that's my lot it it can be perfect it can be can be heaven our lives can be a little taste of heaven here on this earth why should we accept the suffering I want it and I told one three years after being married I like this light bulb went off in my head and I said God this is not right I said God this is not right I said, God, I'm not going to be some 80-year-old couple, and I'm doing gardening, and I'm still struggling with the same problem. I said, God, there's not, it's not fair that he loves this relationship more than I do. It is not fair that he loves me, and he gets more out of this relationship than I get. Because this relationship, just as it isn't a, just a gift for him, it's a gift for me. And it's not very much of a gift right now. I said, God, you've got to set me free. You've got to set me free. You've got to set me free. I said, God, if you don't set me free, something else is going to happen. You either set me free or something else is going to happen. And I just started pressing in because they told us in Bible school, they said, when you get hungry, just. Eat. Richard Moore, he would say, This is what our hunger is. And he said, Do you Picture someone putting your head underwater. And you're underwater and they're holding you underwater. And you can't breathe. And the only thing in the world you're thinking right then is, I need air. I need air. You're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about your palms. You're not thinking about your grocery list. You're not thinking about even why does this guy not like me. All you think is I need air or I will die. And he said, when you get that hungry for God, God will move. Oh. And we were taught about the woman with the issue of blood. How today was how she suffered for 12 years, many things and many physicians and was rather, was worse. And when she heard that Jesus was coming, she said in herself, if I may touch him by his clothes, I shall be made whole. And she said, today is my day. She suffered for many years. And so anyways, I, like that woman, I started pressing in. I started pressing in and I said, God, you've got to set me free. Every service I was in, I was like, God, you've got to set me free. You've got to set me free. You've got to set me free, Lord. You've got to set me free. And about a year later, while Brock and I were being intimate, the power of God came in the room. And it was the most wonderful, beautiful thing I'd ever experienced in my whole entire life. And afterward, I went into my bathroom, and I sat on the floor, and I cried, and I laughed for over an hour because it was the most wonderful thing I'd ever experienced. I didn't even know it could be that great. It was the most awesome thing I'd ever experienced. And for the next three months, I was, it was like... I was like a teenager, like madly, deeply in love, like a cheerleader would be for the football player. I'm talking, I had a crush on my husband. God, God set me totally free. God set me totally free, totally free, totally free. And you know what? I, I, some, I am just now I'm, I've become such a girl. It's not even funny. I'm telling you, I was tell, just a couple years ago, you know, <laughs> just a couple years ago, I was in, in, in church and I just was we were singing the dance with me all over my soul, and I just like I was just there. felt like I was dancing. You guys dancing. can stop
0: the video. Sorry, I, thought I was waiting on you, and you're waiting on me. All right, so you know you can see, yeah, you can clap. That was awesome. Uh, you know, when it comes to grace, people think, okay, well, you know, it's I don't have to do anything. It's just I just you know, it's just God and God's grace. God's grace the Bible says he's made all things available for life and godliness but something that's made available doesn't mean it's it's what you possess there's something that you have to do to possess what, what God has made available to you. And that's where spiritual tenacity, she was using the word hungry, hunger comes in. Where it's, God, if you said that I could have it, if you said that I, that I could be it, if you said that I could go there, if you said that I could do that, if you said that I could be free, then, I, then I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna be free. I'm gonna be that type of a person. I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna be anointed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sin-free. I'm gonna be the most righteous person that I know. If you said that I could have it, you said that I could be it, then, then I'm gonna be it. The Bible says In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's talking about spiritual tenacity. It means that that heaven and the blessings of heaven are like a city waiting to be captured, waiting to be ransacked. But it takes someone who's violent, who has a violent spirit about them, a tenacity to say, I- I'm gonna have and I'm not gonna stop until I have it. I'm not gonna quit until I be this type of a person. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna give up and I'm not gonna stop until I see what God says that I can be true, come to fruition in my life. So this is true in the realm of LGBT, homosexuality, whatever. But it's, but it's true in the realm of everything else. It's true when it comes to my purpose. It's, it's true when it comes to g- going deeper in God. It's true when it comes to getting set free of, of, of porn. It's true when it comes to getting set free of cutting, which is something that she addressed in the video, cutting and, and self-harm. It's true with, with every area. It's spiritual tenacity. God, if, if you said that I could have it, if you said that I can go there, then, then I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna possess it. In Jesus' name. So what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Tonight's your night to be free. Tonight's your night for everything to change. Where spiritual tenacity gets birthed on the inside of you. And your life makes a dramatic turn up.